We're the Nada Grande Boys. I'm Rodney Wood. And I'm Kyle Jackson. Welcome to the Nada Grande Outdoors podcast where we hunt it forward. Welcome to Nada Grande Outdoors. Rodney Wood here with you. Kyle Jackson is absent today, but that's all right. We got his brother Ty. Yep. Back on with us again. And here with us today also is Chance Thedford with the New Mexico Trappers Association. How are you doing today? Doing good. Good. Um, tell us a bit about New Mexico Trappers Association and the rendezvous that we are at here today. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm president of the Trappers Association. Obviously, we promote trapping throughout the state of New Mexico. Our, uh, our logo says promoting wise use of our natural resources. Um, we're having our annual rendezvous right now in Alto, New Mexico. Had a pretty good turnout. Um, got lots of demos going on and had a great annual meeting yesterday. And looking forward to a lot of people showing up today and having some fun. Sounds good. So what kind of demos do y'all do here? Um, we're going to have a lot of coyote trapping demos today. We've got some cat demos. Um, myself and Travis Chilson are putting one on um, about how to release your pet from a trap if you decide not to follow the leash law in the state of New Mexico. Um, yeah, so we've got a lot of things going on. I've got a neighbor that has dogs that he doesn't keep pinned up. And I really would like to try that dog. Is that legal? No, sir. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> and no, I've, I've had to call the sheriff, all kinds of stuff. That, that really best thing, like best thing that you dog. can do, yeah, follow, follow the law. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think I asked Ty that question last time. Yep. He said the same thing. I keep hoping it'll change. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes you wish it'd change. <laughs> right? Or, or that my neighbor would just you know, or that, take care of his dog. Yep, that would definitely be the easiest yeah. solution. But. And, and, the, and the hard part about it is, you know why they're in my yard? Because my yard's the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Not their yard, my yard. Yeah. yeah it's very frustrating. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But that's the, that's, yeah, that's beside the point. Squirrel. Um, <laughs> you trap squirrels? <laughs> I have not had a call to trap squirrels. Right? Yeah. Right? That'd probably be... An interesting in trap, Las Cruces, if I started trapping squirrels, that would be all I would ever trap. Right. Pecan yeah. farms. Yeah. 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 The place down yeah. There. yeah. Right. That's true. I didn't think about the pecan farms. Yeah. I bet that's a big deal. Oh, yeah. It is constant, huh. constant battle. Yeah. A lot of farmers don't like you to trap their gray fox. So if you trap farms in Las Cruces, a lot of those farms you got to release. They want you to release their gray fox. So hmm. is that because they're eating the squirrels? Yes, sir. Yeah. Number one form of squirrel control for those guys. Yeah. Right. But they want the raccoons and the coyotes out. Well, that's good. That's <laughs> good. That's interesting. I, you know, I never really thought about that. Yeah, I didn't. I've never thought. I don't know why, but I've never thought too much about that either. But I've never been in a place that had a whole lot of pecan farms. Yeah, either. and that's all it is down there. Pecan yep. and chili. Yep. 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 Absolutely correct. Yeah. We, we, as a matter of fact, me and Kyle lived down there together in college for a little while and we lived in a tortilla factory in the middle of a pecan orchard. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I you know, know right where that, you live. Then that's yeah. kind of normal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's normal for our part of the yeah. country. Yeah, is is a real cool little place. Uh, we call it a two bedroom, but my bed was kind of in the wide hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and that's about it. But it, yeah, that's lots of uh, lots of squirrels down there. Yes, yeah, sir. So, what else y'all got for what do y'all have for the kids down here? Um, today for the little kids, we got the rescue race. They get a catch pole and we have stuffed animals <clears throat> and they go and grab a stuffed animal and they got to turn around and run across the line and then release the stuffed animal. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got the BB gun shoot that's sponsored by the Wild Turkey Federation. Nice. Um, we do speed sets for kids. Um, Golly, we got a lot of kids stuff going on. Yeah. Kids stay busy all day. Plus, there's a playground here, mm-hmm. basketball court, um, just all kinds of stuff. Yeah, uh, me and Kyle, um, we've been trying to kind of promote this for you guys. We did a little commercial that we've been releasing at the beginning of our podcasts and stuff here recently. And uh, I've talked to a lot of people, and that's the number one thing that I've heard. Uh, from the people that I've talked to and that have visited it um, in previous years was how much that there is to do for the children. Um, and that's like a, that's, that's been a reoccurring comment from people that have been. Well, we try to get the kids involved. You know, I've said out many times, if we don't have youth involved in trapping, it's going to die of old age. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it is. We have to get youth involved and and show them the right way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. Ty, Ty did that yesterday with the snare demo, and I could overhear him talking a lot about just because it's it's legal to set somewhere doesn't mean you should. Correct. You know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of events here with the with the Wild Turkey Turkey Federation bringing in their little BB gun mm-hmm. shoot over here. Um, I think they're doing a little contest. I, I think throughout the day I hadn't been over there, but I've seen a lot of kids running around with turkey calls. And uh, so obviously they're winning turkey calls, which is going right. to drive their folks nuts. Right. But, uh, um, but yeah, there's a couple competitions today. There was a kind of a mentored uh, competition mm-hmm. yesterday uh, with the youth where they each got a, uh, every kid that wanted to participate got a, a mentor assigned to them. And then they went out and they made a set. And then the judges would come in and, and look at their sets and kind of uh, evaluate those, and we'll find out this evening who who won. Yeah, that's but cool. uh, yeah, I think the kids are pretty pretty excited, and they get to run around and be free in the woods. So. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is. So we've done, a, and, and Ty, you know, you were you were there. Uh, we've got a couple of podcasts with Ty about trapping recently, and it's kind of a whole new world to me. Um, my uncle, who pretty much raised me, um, was a trapper out on the missile range uh, oh, yeah. when he was younger. So, so, but I was, you know, super young at the time and really didn't know much about it. So it's kind of a whole new world for me. Um, you know, like one of the things that Ty was saying is how specific, how target specific trapping was. And I think these are the things, you know, that most people who don't trap or don't know anything about it, you know, don't realize. Um, and it's very interesting things the, like the that. The people who are against us, and, and they say it a lot out loud, that our, our traps are indiscriminate, and that's just not true. No. Uh, best management practices studies that have been going on since, I believe, the 70s, and are still going on today, 
New Mexico has participated in it a lot in Canada, but most states have participated in it. And what it is is a study of traps to decide which traps, species-specific, but which traps are the most efficient and the most humane. Mm -hmm. And we've been modifying traps. If you look at the evolution of the foothold trap from, I mean, basically the 1800s to now, they don't right. even look the same. No, no. I know, you know, the traps that I've looked at, that Ty showed us and that we've demonstrated on the podcast and stuff, nothing like what my uncle used right. you know, back 40 years ago. Um, you know, just completely different. So, yeah, it is pretty interesting. So, tell us a bit about the New Mexico Trappers Association and um, what it does here in New Mexico. Oh, we do a lot of events statewide every year. We do a lot of a lot of county fairs and outdoor expos. And basically, all we're trying to do is is get the word out that we're not the bad, evil people that that our opponents say we are right. and and the truth is is we have the proof behind us you know we have studies and i actually had a lady who was very against trapping i met her in an outdoor expo and to her credit she she came to me and started asking questions and i had a trap and then I showed her, and I showed her what we do and how it works. And she walked away, and she turned around and said, you destroyed a ton of myths. Yeah. And she said, I'm no longer against trapping. Now I, now I heard the truth. Yeah. So it, it, things like that. And, and we've, we've gotten now to where we're more proactive and, and trying to get our message out to the public, what we actually do. And, mm -hmm. and we're... We're not the cruel, evil people that, that people think we are. Um, as far as, like I said, our traps are not indiscriminate. We, you know, it's, it's just basically trying to get the word out. Yeah. So how many members do you have? Right now, we're over 300, and we that's the most we've ever had. A lot of the reason for that was this past year's le legislative sessions. We got the word out what was going on here in New Mexico, and we rallied a lot of troops. And, and basically what happened was, you know, with a Democratic-controlled House and Senate, we got so many people writing emails, making phone calls, that uh, honestly I think we scared them a little bit. Right. Good, good. I know that this, this legislative, we can go into that, kind of pivot off that right there. This legislative session was a big deal across the board for, for outdoorsmen. There was, there was you know, a lot of, of different gun legislation and uh, hunting regulations and stuff like that that really you know, may have kind of poked the bear a little bit and caused us to wake up and, and start speaking our voices. I know I did. I wrote more letters to... Um, representatives and and such this year than I have combined in my entire life and that's probably not good mm -hmm. um, in the sense that I didn't do it before mm -hmm. but it is good now that we are you know that we are starting that and I do advocate that you know to to um, get in contact with your representatives or congressmen or your senators and uh, the, the New Mexico uh, Department of Game and Fish Game Commission 
you know, stuff like that. Well, that, that's very important to you. Yeah. Just because legislation's over doesn't mean you don't need to still be sending some emails to your legislators mm -hmm. and letting them know how you feel. You know, they serve us. That is correct. And they can't serve us in the way that we want if we don't express that. So, correct. Yeah, pretty, pretty big, important. Um, do you do stuff nationwide, or do you pretty much just stick into New Mexico? Um, actually, New Mexico Trappers Association is affiliated with Fur Takers of America, which is nationwide, and we're also becoming an affiliate of the National Trappers Association, which is also nationwide. So, yeah, basically, yes, and we've talked a lot, too, and it seems to me... From talking to other people that a lot of states are wanting to share information mm -hmm. keep in contact with each other I, I think this year I don't know how many states faced anti-trapping legislation I know there's quite a few yeah off the top of my head Connecticut Nevada mm -hmm. us Montana Montana Colorado, Colorado. Mm -hmm. lots of states and you know I'm I can say me personally, as far as sending emails and making phone calls to other states, I don't even remember right. how, how many of them I contacted. And I've talked to presidents from other associations. And I think that's a good thing. If we can all share information because a lot of states, they don't go after them. They haven't gone after them. Texas, Louisiana, the southern states especially, they haven't gone after them. But I think this year woke those states up. Yeah. They know it's coming. Well, so we had, what, what did we have, Ty? So I know we had the, the one where, the, the, I, don't, I don't remember the bill numbers anymore. It's been too long. But we had the one where they were trying to ban um, Coyote calling contest. Right. So that was Senate Bill 76, I believe. And did they yeah. get that one through? They did. Okay, and the so governor did one. sign that. So that went, that'll go into effect July 1, I believe. Yeah. No, no, lovely. Yeah. Um, but, but we can still, we can still hunt coyotes. Still they hunt they coyotes. They didn't, they didn't just get that one. What, uh, what the bill said was uh, it basically eliminated the contest portion. So it's, it's not illegal to hunt coyotes. It's not illegal to kill coyotes. It's illegal to have a contest for that. And so... Uh, as far as, you know, those folks who just like to go out and call, it's really, it's completely, does not affect them. Uh, yeah. it, all it really does is it shuts down that competition. So it would be similar to if they passed one for, you know, bass fishing contests or something right. where, uh, uh, or tournaments where you can't compete in the tournament, but it's still not illegal to fish for bass. So. Gotcha. Which yeah. don't be surprised if that one eventually comes down <laughs> it, the pike. It has it has come it, up in the past. Yeah, yeah. It's been a point of discussion of uh, getting rid of, of uh, bass fishing tournaments and and uh, I guess that's and we've talked about it before, but that's really the the thing that people need to understand is uh, you lose the one the one thing which you may may or may not even care about. You know, coyote contest. You you may not care about that, and, and a lot of your listeners times. may not care about it, but it's the one little thing and it's just a piece and you're yeah. exactly right it's death by a thousand cuts mm -hmm. and and the groups it's the who, foot in the door it's the, yeah. gr the groups who who would like to see that gone they really just don't like uh consumptive use of wildlife yeah for any it's, reason it's a pathway to and so there there's there's 
major conspiracy theories about it, and then there's smaller conspiracy theories about it. Um, but it, what it boils down to is it's a pathway for them to get what they want, right. which is um, you can go as far as saying complete ban on guns mm-hmm. or just a complete ban on hunting, but that's really what it is. And they, uh, it's a step in the right direction for them, not for us, but a step in the right direction for them. If they can ban coyote calling contests, then next time they can justify banning coyote hunting. Sure. And then if they can ban coyote hunting, well, we can ban trapping. And we, we and, saw that this yeah. year in legislation. They, the, the biggest thing with them is it, it's past time, what they said was it was past time for us to, uh, to catch up with our neighbors and modernize our laws in New Mexico and they were referring to, to Colorado quite a lot. And then, but of course, it's going to get to the point where they want to be like California, where you can't even, there's basically no predator control whatsoever in California. And the Californians, unfortunately, are seeing the effects of that. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, there's, that's another theory that uh, we get that people talk about. Um, if you have, you know, so one of the arguments that hunters make when hunting is we are animal control. We hunt to control numbers. I hate that argument because, well, if you don't trap the predators, then the predators will do that and you don't need to hunt. Right. So it kind of, it's kind of a shoot yourself in the foot. We hunt because it's our right. Well, it's, it's our right to hunt. You know? yeah. When they wrote the Constitution, they gave the animal to the people of the state because they felt it important rather than belonging to the king or the government. They belong to us. It's our right. Yeah, I think it's, it, all of that's true in a sense. It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the argument that the predators will take care of the, the overabundance that's true, but the, I think it, I think it uh, minimizes the scale. Sure. I, I mean, when we, when you look at wildlife management, you're trying to you have these big waves and these big dips. Correct. And what wildlife, what modern wildlife management does is it tries to even out just a little bit. You're still going to have the the waves and you're still going to have the dips in yes. those populations, but what you don't want is it goes so high that there's so many deer that they eat everything and then there's predators everywhere which are starting to eat them because the predators follow behind obviously in population size and then once it gets to that tipping point where those ungulates or or if we're talking deer basically you know they reach a point where they start to uh, damage their own habitat Mm -hmm. the predators catch up to them within a couple of years and at that point you have a huge drop and then it goes from we have deer everywhere to now we don't have deer and that's a very, and that's, you know, and that's kind of the point I was, I was getting to is the, that that cycle is very uh, dramatic and very violent. Yeah. Um, and our management system is not. It's a much more peaceful, steady control of, of the animals. And, and you're always, I mean, it's a wild animal. So, you know, that you don't have, no one has control over every single aspect. You don't have control over the weather. You don't have control over how much it rains or, or whether or not, you know, you have a disease come through. But modern wildlife management is designed to kind of uh, try to keep it a little bit more level where, yes, we still have the rise. Yes, we still have the dip, but they're not as far apart. Right. And and that way, 
you know, within your lifetime, uh, you're probably, hopefully you will never see a, your deer population get so high that they're just, you're hitting a deer every time you drive down the road, but you also never see it where you haven't seen a deer in four years. Right. And, and that's the goal. I mean, if people, people like to think and, and everyone's guilty of it, but you like to think of, of things in terms of your time period uh-huh. and that doesn't apply when it comes to the natural world you know when it comes to the natural world we may be talking decades or hundreds of years um, and you, you got to be thinking in a long long term scale where this this effect that we do it's kind of like logging mm-hmm. this effect that what we do by taking all of the trees off of here uh, if in New Mexico at the rate that we go grow trees that's a significant take. That may be 100, 150 years before those trees come back to the same level they were when you harvested them. Mm-hmm. If you're logging in Oregon or something, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it's that long. You know, they, they're, they're turning around a lot of their stuff. Let's say like, um, I know a little bit more about it, but like Alabama and, and the South where they're growing the pine plantations mm-hmm. and stuff, that's basically a 40, 50 year turnaround on those trees. Yeah. And in New Mexico, that's just not possible. Yeah. And so, so wildlife is kind of the same way. It depends on where you're at and depends on the species. But you don't want to go in and end up basically clear-cutting, for lack of a better term, when you're not going to be able to grow them back within that's two generations, correct. three generations. Yeah. Yeah. Good example of that. My wife has her gray fox hotspot. She traps it every fourth year. Mm-hmm. She'll go in there, and it's not a very big area, but she'll go in there and she'll trap maybe eight gray fox. Mm-hmm. She pulls all of her stuff, and she won't go back for four years. Yep. Yeah, you've got you've to gotta let it reproduce. Yeah, it's know? a hot spot, and, that and that's how you keep it a hot spot. You know, uh, if you're a good cat trapper, you'll do the same thing, especially after first part of January. You catch a female, let her go. Let all the females go. That's, and that's, just take the toms. And that's that kind of just some decent, spot. you know, everybody's different. It's just like deer hunting, you know, for, for one of my kids, a four corn is just as good as a, sure. as a huge buck. Mm-hmm. But if you've got, you know, you hunt deer, if you've got your hot spot where it's like, man, every time we go in there at this time of year, we're going to find a big buck. But it's one, one yeah. big buck. And so if you told everybody about it or you took all of your buddies in there, obviously that's not going to work out mm-hmm. so well and so you know I, you know lots of folks think you know trapping is completely different than hunting it's like on its own it's its own thing and that's really not the case it's it's very similar it's obviously differences yeah but it's very similar in that you can't go in and just take everything off the landscape you know just unregulated harvest like some folks yeah. like to say and and it still be a sustainable system obviously if that was the case wildlife agencies around the nation would would have recognized that and dealt with it right and that's um i'm gonna guess probably one of the bis- biggest misconceptions um your, some of your biggest conservationists are your hunters your trappers your anglers because we love that resource absolutely we don't don't want it to go away we want to do everything that we can to protect it so it's there for our kids and our kids kids if i if i go in and 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 get if i clear out every coyote which is impossible every bobcat which is impossible every fox out of my area 
what's my granddaughter going to trap 30 mm -hmm. years from now? Nothing. I don't want to live where I don't hear coyotes in the evening. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to us, uh, all, all of these things as outdoorsmen. You know, I'm, I'm not a trapper. I, I, I love it. I think it's, a, I think it's an amazing tradition. Um, it's what built the West, um, you know, but I, I am a hunter and I, I got the exact same feelings, you know, I don't want to go in and just chill out an area and then not have a place to take my daughter. You know, I have, I have a hunting area that I've hunted uh, here close. Uh, it's in Unit 34 uh, where I grew up hunting. Sure. I'm going to want to be able to take my kids. Uh, <coughs> Maggie's, Maggie's got a either sex whitetail rifle hunt in 56 this year nice uh -oh. yeah <laughs> that's yeah. gonna be it's fun gonna be her, her first big game hunt yeah uh, i had to throw that in there <laughs> that'll I'm, be fun i'm super excited about absolutely that so and then we got an antelope tag up there in 56 so i'll be able to do some scouting for her. sweet so um so yeah, but yeah I, i'm gonna want to bring her down here and i'm gonna want her to take i'm gonna want to take her to my family hunting spot where I grew up hunting it's, that's important family tradition yeah, tradition it's it's a big part of hunting sure and trapping my granddad was a government trapper in Arizona in the 1940s that's where it started in my family mm -hmm. I trapped with my dad I remember seven years old trapping with my dad Listen to that I know. Oh, Everybody must have walked outside quiet, right? <laughs> must be a demo starting probably right um you were gonna say something? Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say a lot of people get hung up on, on the fact that you know there's not a bag limit, and it's you know almost, you know folks are just kind of aghast at the fact that there's no bag limit, there's no restrictions. It's um, we live in a society now where people, I think, are so used to a rule that for every single part of their life that they just can't fathom that there's no rule that applies to this. Yeah. Well, and that's not entirely true because there is a rule that applies to it. It's just biologically there's not the need. And I think you can look at, uh, there's a lot of other species where we could probably do the same thing, except that the harvest is so much higher and the participation is so much higher that it has an effect on the species. So therefore you have a limit of, you know, one deer or one elk or, or whatever it is. Yeah. I, and that's, you know, it's important for folks to realize that just because there's not a bag limit on the species doesn't mean the species isn't being managed or the, the whole group of species in the case of fur bears. Sure. If, I assure you, if there were a, and there's a provision in the rule, you know, yeah. a lot of people kind of gloss over it, but there's a provision in the rule. If there's a significant de decline in the species, uh, let's say bobcats, because that's kind of a hot button one. If there were, uh, the department were to see a significant decline in the population statewide, mm -hmm. they have the ability to immediately set a bag limit or to close the season. Yeah. So it's not like they can't. It's just that the need isn't there. And yeah. and that a lot of folks can't wrap their head around yeah, that. Yeah, that's a very good point. And there's and not every hunter follows this. <clears throat> I know that there's a lot of, you know, participants in hunting and trapping that don't set good examples. Yeah. But by and large in both communities there is a whole lot of self-regulation. There's a whole lot of respect for Especially with on. trappers. I, I, yeah. I don't know if you agree with that, Ty, but I would, especially I would, with trappers. I would, I would agree with that. I think as the, the outdoor group as a, as a whole, it, everything, wildlife management doesn't work if they don't. Correct. I mean, the, the honest reality is that everyone is out there in the woods 
there's not someone looking over your shoulder. You know, it's not a basketball game where there's a referee running up and down the court with you. Yep. And if every sportsman, regardless of what, what their hobby is or what their passion is, whether it's deer hunting or it's uh, quail hunting or it's trapping or it's, you know, fishing, yep. if every single one of them went out and just said, I'm only going to follow the law when I see a game warden, or I'm only going to follow the law if they catch me. They would very seldom follow the law. You they they would almost never guys. follow the law. Just, yeah. yeah, we just don't see you guys and, out there that often. And, and I think if Teddy you're, Roosevelt talked about that. If you're out doing what you're, what you're doing, hunting, trapping, fishing, mm -hmm. if you see a game warden and you get nervous, come on, yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Char char how, does, how, does it, how does it define character is... Um, actions when nobody's watching right yeah and, I, and that's what i think teddy roosevelt talked about that and i don't remember the exact quote but it's essentially that people people have to be responsible and they have to do the right thing when nobody is watching yeah. and and every it's not just new mexico every single uh state in the union counts on it yeah i mean if if people just decided one day every single hunter decided I'm not following any laws. I don't need a license, or I don't, if, even if I have a license, I can just take as many as I want. They could wipe out whatever population it is within a couple of years. Oh yeah, you easy. Know, easy, easy. And no matter how many officers you have as an agency, there's never going to be enough. No. You're never going to have the density of officers that you, of game wardens that you have as a, even a police department. You know, you look at a municipal police department of you know, a town of 2,000 people and they've got three officers. Yeah. Oh, holy moly, yeah. you know, that's pretty dense. Every law enforcement entity there is right. is under that. And and I, it, would be a, it would be a shame to have that density. It would just be a shame to have to have that density yeah. for, for a game ordinance. But there's a reason there's not that need. Yeah. There is a need for officers and there's a need for them to be out there and, and checking folks. But there's a reason there's not a need for, you know, one for for every 500 people, yeah. every 500 hunters out there. Yeah. And the reason is because the vast, vast, vast majority of them are law abiding. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they hunt within their season dates. They have a license. They only kill their one animal. And so uh, that's, uh, it, it, it's just, it, it, it kind of gets glossed over a little yeah. bit, even with the, with the hunters, you know, people get irritated, you know, oh, the, the dang hunter, you know, what is it, whether it's a rancher or mm -hmm. subdivision. And the reality is usually they're frustrated at one or two people. Yeah. And those one or two people are irritating and aggravating and they do, they do stuff. But, um, 99% of the guys out there follow every law. Yeah. There's a, so there's a, you know, in, in starting this, this company, Matagani Outdoors, and, and doing these podcasts, and, and one of the biggest uh, benefits that I've had is the education that me and Kyle have done for ourselves mm -hmm. um, uh, across the board in, in the outdoor world. Um, and one of those things is becoming very involved in social media. Um, you know, because if you're going to do kind of this social media company that we are, that's you're going to have to do that. And... I've seen something that I actually think is pretty cool. Um, on social media, you'll get people posting pictures and things, but aside from that, you're getting people calling them out. Yeah. You know, hey, don't don't do that. If you're breaking the law, don't do that. Yeah. Um, and that's a cool thing to see. 
because it's hunters holding other hunters accountable for their actions and that's outside of law enforcement and that's got to be a huge help it is um, i mean peer pressure is a huge it is it's a huge thing it you is. know people do what their friends consider acceptable yeah uh, you know and I've it doesn't said, matter what yeah. what part of your life you're talking yeah. about I've said many times, social media is a double-edged sword. It is. It's most definitely a double-edged sword, but honestly, I, I think without social media this year in New Mexico during our legislature, I, I, I honestly don't think we would have won. I think we would have lost track. I agree. I agree. It, it was a heavy topic um, across the board on social media, um, and there was a lot of people putting it out there and a lot of people sharing it, and so you get that more widespread voice yeah. uh, and like you said it is a double-edged sword because you get a lot of bad from it too um you know but uh education is key and that's a good way to get some education absolutely out there yeah. do does the new mexico trappers association have a facebook page or? we don't and we've talked about that i i think we are gonna do that mm -hmm. here in the near future um, but we're just kind of trying to figure out what we want as far as rules, you know. Yeah. But yeah, we would like to do a Facebook page and, and that way people can join. You can go to our website and join in the way we are now, but it'd just be another platform to promote what we do. And sure, it'd be a great platform um, for, you know, promoting events and advertising, you know, different events and stuff like that. Uh, I know it's helped us out tremendously sure in what we do um so when you get done here could you um so to, to currently if you want to join how do you do that just go to your website you can go to our website um yeah that's really actually the easiest way um you can pay right there online um go to newmexicotrappers.com you can just do a simple google search and it'll take you straight to our website cool what uh what events do y'all have coming up um well they're actually statewide we have uh five directors um throughout the state um we uh basically have the southwest corner southeast corner northeast mm -hmm. and, and and so on but and we have an actual director that deals with the albuquerque area i think it's a hundred mile radius of albuquerque so Basically, any most of the fairs that go on in those districts, you're probably going to see us there. Um, we really like the outdoor expos that have been going on. That's where we kind of reach a lot of people that might be on the fence about trapping. Um, at the fairs, that's generally people that are involved in agriculture, so they're generally not against us anyway. But it's good for us to reach out to people that may be on the fence, you know. It's kind of important, and we've got to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. I've, I've always said, you know, your, your anti-hunters, your anti-trappers, we're not really going to reach many of those. Uh, the goal would be to keep everybody that's kind of indifferent. Right. To keep them indifferent. Yeah. Uh, in, in my opinion, you know. We have hunters and we have anti-hunters and trappers and anti-trappers and it's those it's those people that are in the middle and indifferent on the fence that that we don't want to go to the other side right we want to, you know get as many of those on our side as we can but those the rest mm -hmm. of them just keep them in the middle 
And that, that's one of our key things and, and we're trying to work on and we've just started working on it. The people who are against trapping, against hunting, they are very good advertisers yes, they are. and they're good salesmen. And they got the most of the money. Oh, they're, the money they have, is, it's endless and, and we're not there. We don't have that. So we spend it buying traps as trappers, exactly. <laughs> us as outdoorsmen, we have to become better advertisers. We do, we do. Uh, that, that's a big part of it to, to defend our way of life. Um, I got one but, I, but I think uh, it goes to a little bit to speak to the, the majority of folks that you're talking that are kind of in the middle, maybe don't really care one way or the other too much or don't know much about it, yeah. but I think. That, innately most people know uh, whether they know much about wildlife or not they know that there needs to be some sort of uh, management yep. they know that there needs to be some sort of uh, harvest or or, or um, somebody looking out for them yeah. and that's why they they entrust agencies to do that for them yeah. and I think um, I think that's that's huge because you know most people know that the leather that they wear on their on their boots or on their shoes it it didn't just come from a store in taiwan or yeah, you know sure it, it came from an animal they may not necessarily know a lot about it yeah but they know that they're that they can't you can't separate yourself from nature yeah. and uh or the outdoors yeah and that's something so that's something i've always said you know a lot of people talk about letting nature take its course humans are a part of nature absolutely we are a part and we have our place yeah it's, in am nature. it's amazing how and many people don't yeah. really realize yeah. that so, so it's important that we are there exactly in, in my opinion. now we i don't think that that gives us the right to go in there and eradicate species sure. but you know um but but uh but we do the, have our place out there in the field yeah our, our role at least in the world that we're in now our role is as stewards yes. sure and it's it's that doesn't mean we're not participants in the in the okay. system but it just means that we're we have more responsibility than most of the other players in the in the game and uh, it's it's pretty irresponsible just to wash your hands and say i'm just going to let whatever happens outside happen outside and i'm just going to stay in here and, and uh close my ears or close my eyes and hold my yeah. hands over my ears yeah yeah and pretend it never happened that is not letting nature take its course nope. that is ignoring nature yep. and, and it's a huge dis disservice to our wildlife in my opinion yeah. that is uh, it's uh, it's terrible because mother nature is not very humane when she takes care of it no she's violent she's very violent. slow painful death not a successful rancher out there that just throws his cattle out in the pasture and lets nature take its course no you have to manage your herd right um, right and and our herd as sportsmen is the wildlife herd and it needs to be managed and taken care of and preserved and conserved for future generations and uh, like you said 99 percent of outdoorsmen believe that mm -hmm. and, and act upon it. There are some bad apples, and um, but there's a lot of good outdoorsmen out there. So um, there's a question I've been wanting to sneak in there, but I just kept missing it, Ty. And I should have asked you this before the podcast ever started, so you can look it up if you don't know it. What are the numbers of trappers in the state? Do, do you know that? Um, it's it's ballpark of uh, somewhere just over two thousand a year by licenses. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably not every single person who traps but it's real real close uh, and the reason I say it maybe not every single person that traps is there's there's actually uh, uh, 
there's a loop. Uh, there's a part of the law that will allow, if you're doing it for livestock control or uh, for livestock protection, I should say, uh, you you don't necessarily have to have a license. There's some other rules that apply to that, so it's not just willy-nilly, but generally speaking, even those folks buy licenses. And uh, and they, so you're looking at, you know, I don't know, just over 2,000 roughly a year. And that's residents and non-residents. The vast, vast majority of them are residents. I mean, probably like 95 plus percent of them are residents. It's not like a lot of our big game hunting where we have a lot of folks coming from out of state. Um, there's not that many coming from out of state. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was contemplating that on my way up this morning, um, wondering that exact question. I wonder how many non-residents are coming to Mexico to try. It, it kind of varies by year, but it's, yeah. you know, we're talking, well, I may have just gave you a wrong percentage, but I'm, I'm thinking somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 or 40 folks yeah. come from out of state. So that, that probably changes the percentage I just gave you, but um, whatever that works out to, it's, it's just not a lot. It, and the reason, it's, it's not that there's not interest. There's a lot of folks that would love to go to other states and trap, and, and, but generally the trapping licenses are pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's also a, a big commitment. You know, it's not like coming out for a five-day hunt. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. if you're going to make the trip, you probably need to be out here for about 10 days, if not longer. And uh, so that's a big commitment from a lot of folks. And uh, so... A lot of the percentage is going to depend on what fur prices are bringing that yep. year too. It you does. Know, it's whether it's worth it to drive from New York to come trap for two weeks. Right. You know. Yeah, it's yeah. not like you can just get on a plane and check your gun and right. and show up and you've got your backpack and your gun. Yeah. I mean, there's and there's a lot of equipment. A hundred traps. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, trapping is a uh, hobby, not a lucrative one. <laughs> it's it it's you're not going to be a millionaire yeah, I'll tell no, you that. yeah. no you could get a part-time job at mcdonald's and and over years time you're going to make more money if you don't love trapping if you're doing it for the money yeah you're yeah yeah well, you're, you're not business. you're not gonna become it's, a millionaire it's exactly like deer hunting or elk hunting i mean if you you start working out what a set of camo costs and your rifle and your bow and your arrows and you start working that out by the pound. It's a lot cheaper to buy beef at the yes. store, but yes, uh, it is. I, I love I love to fill my freezer, but that is not the reason it's, I'm doing it. Exactly. Solely. Yeah. It, it's not the only reason. It's yeah. a good reason, but yes. it's not the only reason. Yeah. And, and trapping's the exact same way. Um, it's it's uh, you won't find folks who know who know more about the outdoors than uh, your trappers. Right. Well, right. we're out there every day. Yeah every day from so, from november through february we were out there every day that, that was another question i had it yes um how much time would you say you spend out in the field so that there's, there's kind of a two-part question number one how many days do you spend out in the field actually trapping and then how many days do you spend out in the field uh, preparing for trapping um yeah it, it's it's a funny thing um People always say, uh, as trappers, we spend about five months getting ready to trap for three months. Nice. <laughs> there you go. Prepping traps and, and getting your truck fixed from last trapping season, because trapping's very hard on vehicles. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, 
Personally, I start setting traps about November. In, in my part of the country, I'm right around Thanksgiving. I'll start trapping. Um, and I'm trapping on ranch. Me and my wife both trap for the same rancher, but we trap on two different ranches. So I'll usually get out there right about Thanksgiving, and my main target's coyotes for the rancher. And, but I'll catch a few cats and some fox also. Um, and I'll usually stay in there till usually first, second week of February. Cats are still good. So if, if I see some cat sign, I'll, I'll, I'll stay in there and, and trap some cats. But mainly I'm in there for coyotes. And the funny thing is about that, I've been trapping for that rancher for three years now. The amount of deer I'm seeing on that ranch now, and that's what's kind of tickling that rancher. He's got a lot more deer. Yeah. There was virtually no quail when I started out there. I counted three big coveys of quail last year. And also the other wildlife has had a chance to come in and, and, and fill in that void. Luckily where I'm at, I'm 30 miles from the Mexican border, so as far as coyotes go through dispersal, I'm never going to run out of coyotes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you got anything else, guys? I don't think so. They've, they put together a pretty good uh, schedule of demos here, and that's usually kind of the way it is. So yeah. if folks are interested in learning something about trapping, don't know anything about it, this is kind of a good opportunity and it's it's ballpark of the same time every year isn't it Chance? yes sir yeah we're usually june july i think here. i think we'll probably try and get with you guys next year um in advance yeah. of the of the um of the show so we can put it out there a little earlier unfortunately this podcast by the time everybody listens to it we'll all be gone and, and back home but um but yeah definitely go go to their web, website check it out join um, and then, uh, if you're interested, come out here next year in the June or July time frame and, a, and check it out. It's a good family opportunity. You know, I bring the family usually, yeah. and kids love it. And they run around, play, and watch stuff. Do, you know, be yeah. part of the competitions and and all of that. But they also get to sit and they listen to some folks that. You know, if you were to, some of these folks given free demos, you know, you get an hour worth of instruction from somebody that it it may cost you. You know. 500 bucks or a thousand bucks to go and get private instruction from them and you're getting it for free yeah it's uh it's yeah a pretty good this tool. is the only place you're gonna get it for free and that's <clears throat> that's proof to me that's proof of how much we care yeah. about the sport yeah uh, because you don't do that <clears throat> if you don't care um and so many people <clears throat> excuse me so many people uh especially hunters they they're scared to advocate for hunting because they, it's going to be harder for them to draw a tag. Yeah, it's going to be harder for them to find an animal. You know things like that. And in the trapping world, I'm assuming you know because you can just buy the buy your your fur bearer's license over the counter. Yeah, uh, and there's no limit. It's a little easier for you guys. Um, but, it, it is, but it isn't. You know, back you know yeah. 20 years ago, you. You couldn't find somebody that would tell you how to do anything. I mean, they oh, wow. they wouldn't share their yeah. secrets. They wouldn't tell you mm -hmm. anything because it it you're right. You know, it wasn't a limit like it is for the deer or wherever. You know, it's a certain number of licenses, mm -hmm. but it was the knowledge. So you can have a license. You can 
buy all the traps you want. If you don't know what you're doing, you're never going to catch anything. Yeah. And, and a uh, lot of the antis say that what we do is unfair because, you know, we can set multiple traps out and that's unfair. And anybody that thinks that, I challenge you. To go set some traps. To go set some <laughs> traps and get a coyote that can run anywhere from the southern tip of Mexico to the top of Canada to step on a two-inch circle. Yeah. I challenge you to do that and then come tell me trapping's easy. Right. There's right. absolutely nothing easy about trapping. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I was looking in this room, in the room next door to us where all the noise is coming from, but yesterday, and it's this way every year, there's a couple of vendors in there selling equipment and, and uh, lure and, and supplies and stuff like that. And there's a silent auction in there. You got a bunch of good stuff for sale. Yes. And uh, it's kind of one of those where you can kind of come and go as you want and show up. It's everything's free and folks can come in, take a look around, stick around for a couple hours, stick around all day. Um, you know, there's going to be a barbecue, I think, tonight. And, and yes. uh, everything is super reasonable. You know, the association does a pretty good job of trying to keep stuff yeah. very uh family oriented and very uh affordable we don't yeah. charge to come in yep. yeah yeah i'm gonna stick around myself and check it out um see what you guys do and i'll i'll report on it on another podcast and great uh you know tell everybody about what all i got to do today uh, i'm gonna take some pictures and some videos uh hopefully y'all don't mind and I'll no absolutely not. put it on our social media pages and um hopefully we can help get you guys some more interest in the in the trapping world. So we, we greatly appreciate you it. You bet. Chance, Ty, thank you guys for joining. Thanks, Rodney. Uh, my listeners, sorry for all the noise, but, um, you know, we're here at, uh, at the rendezvous, and that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of kids there's, running There's kids there. running everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that, that proof that it's a family event. That's yes, a, sir. That. Thanks for joining. Adios. Thanks for joining Not a Grande Outdoors podcast. Come follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And don't forget about our website, www.notagrandeoutdoors.com. Adios. Adios.